When I became a foster mom four years ago, I quickly realized there weren't many resources for foster or adoptive parents, much less for the millennial generation. That's where the Millennial Foster Mom Podcast comes in. Welcome to a no-frills look at the journey of foster parenting. It's millennial motherhood with real chats about all things foster care, from navigating home visits, court hearings, bio parents, and quote-unquote, getting to attach. Please join me every week for an honest conversation about foster care and adoption as a millennial mom. Welcome to the Millennial Foster Mom Podcast. Welcome back to the Millennial Foster Mom Podcast. My name is Brittany and I'm a millennial foster and adoptive mom. My husband and I have had 10 kids in our home since we became licensed in 2016 and we have adopted three kids. We currently have four kids under eight and our youngest is four. We have one foster placement right now, but if you'd like to hear more about our story and how we came to foster, please consider listening to episode one titled Our Foster Care Story. So this week, I am so excited to welcome back Caitlin Frost. If you've been with us for a while, you know Caitlin joined the podcast for episode three. In that episode, we talked about lots of different topics, from preparing your home and your family for foster care and adoption, how to know when you are ready, and what moving after becoming licensed looks like. Caitlin is a foster and adoptive mama of five, and she also founded Respite Redefined, a blog and podcast for adoptive parents. For this episode, Caitlin is going to share her experience with post-adoption depression and anxiety. Last week, I kicked off this mini-series by sharing my experience with post-adoption depression and anxiety. This is a very vulnerable conversation we're having, but it's so important because over 26% of adoptive parents experience this. And I don't know about you, but post-adoption depression was not covered at all during our trainings. So I really want this series to talk about the different ways post-adoption depression or anxiety can manifest itself. I hope you can listen to Caitlin share her experience with PAD and PAA and connect to her story. This conversation is pretty candid, and I tried to keep my editing to a minimum. And as a disclaimer, the episodes of this series may be triggering, so I'd like to put a trigger warning since at times we will be discussing some hard things. I also want to say I am in no way a doctor or healthcare professional, so if you identify with anything we are discussing, I urge you to reach out to your healthcare provider. Um, so welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us again. Yes. Thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about you. So, uh, my husband and I live in New England. We have five children. Um, our two middle ones, the original girls we got six years ago, they're adopted from foster care. Mm -hmm. Um, we got the baby last year. Um, I guess is a toddler now, so it's kind of sad, <laughs> um, but he's in foster care. She will be reunite reunited with her mom, hopefully soon. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've got two other ones, our first boy and another girl siblings. Um, we got them in the middle of the pandemic and we will, we are foster to adopt. So if they if everything works out in our favor we'll adopt them that's awesome so um I know we talked a little bit about this last time but how did your family decide on adoption we always knew we were going to adopt but when we started the family planning um we just figured we would do it quote normal um and I'm very impatient 
So after like four months of no baby, mm-hmm. I was like, why are we doing this? This is going to be excruciating. Let's just adopt. And we did. We were walking uh, where we were. We were living in Massachusetts at the time. And where we were, there were like... Um, there were ski trails um that weren't in use and so we were like hiking up one of those Mm -hmm. near the um where the oh man why am I losing words it's like the where you sit it's on a gondola but you sit and you go up for the ski trail oh like the ski Um, lift ski lift thank you I don't ski (laughs) you can't tell but we were walking like the path that, that goes up and everything. Mm-hmm. And we just like decided to adopt. And that's how we make most of our decisions. And we went home and that day called the, I just Googled, like, how do you adopt from foster care? How do you do foster care? And Googled the first number that it um, popped up. And mm-hmm. that's, we just went from there. So what did your post-adoption depression or post-adoption anxiety look like? Well, it was very layered and a little complex for us because we got the girls we so we had never been parents before Mm -hmm. so we got the girls in june and so that in itself was layered uh their biological siblings but they had never lived in the same home uh so they were getting used to each other we were getting used to them and it was a mixed bag of learning how to parent but also learning how to parent trauma Mm -hmm. and so it was just a big ball of emotions. Um, and a couple months after that, my husband's company, he worked for a private company. It was being sold and management was going to be non-existent, replace. He knew his time at the company was coming to an end. Mm-hmm. Um, our tiny two-bedroom condo, we you know, outgrew basically the day they moved in. And so we had already kind of been loosely house hunting and we just decided, you know, if he's moving his job, um, a lot of his family was moving out of the area back to where he was originally from. And we thought, like, let's just expand our search. And we landed a job in Texas where I'm from. Mm -hmm. So we ended up uh, three, four months after we got the girls and became parents, we made a cross country move. Um, We lived with my parents for a little while, uh, which wasn't necessarily great for like my, for my parents either, not just say mm-hmm. for me. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So like the first time, you know, I grew up and moved out of the house and, like I got, like I went to college, got married and never returned home. And so their first like time they see me as a mom, it's with three months into it with the four who I'm like completely in over my head. And now I'm living under their roof, their rules. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, it was just like a mixed thing of, there's probably a lot of things that ultimately caused that led to the depression, the, the move, um, the different culture. Even though I was from Texas, I hadn't lived there for about six years. So it was like a culture shock returning, mm-hmm. um, living with my parents. And then of course, having kids, you know, my time is not my time anymore. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was just a bunch of things overall. Yeah. Like a lot of adjustments. I know, you know, we had never had biological kids either. And so I feel like all of that combined with parenting kids from trauma, just like you said, it's just like a recipe for disaster almost. I mean, okay. Disaster is the wrong word. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's just setting you up for all of these emotions and 
I mean, I don't know about your training classes, but I had never even heard about this until I was in the trenches. Yeah. Yes. That's, I think that was the thing that I was more angry about Mm -hmm. when I found out that post-adoption depression was an actual thing Mm -hmm. because everyone talks about it. So I I joined a mops group, you know, the mothers of preschoolers and Mm -hmm. I met friends and there was whole uh, talks about postpartum depression, but no one told me depression in mm-hmm. adoption it was like oh i know kept secrets like why don't you talk mm-hmm. about this stuff well exactly and there's enough emotions and brokenness coming from it already and i feel mm-hmm. like yeah they're kind of leading us in the dark with this and yes. you know we kind of just we realize it once we're in too deep almost and um, yes that's one thing that i hope this series kind of sheds light on just because I feel like there's not a lot out there at all about it. So no, there's not. So when did you know that something wasn't right? So we had been living out of my parents' house for about um, maybe a year. So that would have been 18 months after we had got the girls. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just one little bad step, bad habit after another that slowly found my in bed, just always in bed. I would guilt trip myself into getting out of bed, but most weekends or evenings when I was in bed, uh, watching TV or reading books, I would just, and I just remember, um, my oldest daughter at the time, mm-hmm. she was four, five, five. She was in kindergarten. She asked my husband, oh, is mom sick again? Mm. And I heart. just like, during this time, I'm like, yes. And during this time, I'd read like a book, could not even remember the title to this day, but it had a character whose mom was depressed and never left the bed. And as a child, this character kept saying, mom sick, mom sick. I don't know why that resonated with me, but when I heard my daughter ask the same thing, I was like, oh, no, I can't, mm-hmm. I can't do this again. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of what made me think that I need to do something about, like, I, I recognize I had mm-hmm. an actual problem. Yeah. My realization was kind of similar and I shared it last week um, on my story about post-adoption depression, but it, I was... Uh also in bed and, um, realized, you know, I finally had everything I had ever wanted, you know, kids, a house, a job, a minivan, you know, and a a great husband. And I just, I still (laughs) was not happy. And it just, it was so overwhelming just to have that realization. Um, and so, I, I definitely know what you mean about the the saying in bed thing because it's like you yeah, have no energy. And there's a, right. And there's just so many mm-hmm. voices telling you different things. And and when I say voices, I mean sometimes it's me, mm-hmm. but different times. And it's just it tell like you're grieving the loss mm-hmm. that your children have gone through. Like, yes, we're so excited to be in foster care. And I think that's something to be excited about, but we're so excited to be in foster care. We're so excited to be adopting, but then you get hit with reality and you understand what actually that means. And that's a mm-hmm. lot of grief there, but then it's also like the grief you, I like we mourned. I never mourned um, mm-hmm. being alone. 
I know like never being alone again. I never mourned that time with my husband. Like it, it kind of slapped me in the face that we were never going to mm-hmm. have that time back eventually. Yeah. when they're all left the house, but we're not going to be the same age, the same right. energy levels, you know, like it's going to be a completely different stage of life. And then you have people telling you, Oh, you can't complain about this. Cause you mm-hmm. asked for it. And it's like, you're right. I did ask for it. I can't complain about it. And it's just like this whole mixed bag of, it's like literally what you prayed for, what you've dreamed about, everything has come true in your life and you're miserable and you like, mm-hmm. that's not okay for you to be miserable about it. Or at least that's the voice that told me, like my voice kept telling me I am not allowed yes, to be miserable. I had that too. And there was also a lot of guilt for not finding my kids sooner, even though everything happened exactly. Uh-huh the way it was supposed to because uh-huh. if it hadn't, you know, like it wouldn't have ended up the way it did. But I just had so much guilt that we didn't know them sooner and they had gone through all this stuff and we weren't there. But I mean, we didn't know them. Uh-huh. And so it just, and then missing, right. you know, realizing um, I would never know my son's first word or when he took his first steps and right. mourning that and grieving those those milestones that I'll never know. And that I'll still have to put unknown yeah. on doctor's forms. Yeah. Um, I mean, that hits me every time we go. And so it's just, yeah, it's like grieving exactly. the loss of a child, even though you have mm-hmm. that child in your home, you, you never had him or her right. as a baby. Exactly. So did yeah. you share um, what you were going through with anything or with, with anything, with anyone No, (laughs) no, I really didn't. So I am a perfectionist, although you wouldn't know it by looking at (laughs) like my house right now. Um, But I'm a perfectionist in the sense that I know I can be better than what I'm doing or being right now. And so I put immense pressure on myself to figure it out. And so depression was something that I felt like I couldn't figure out. And I think that's what made me stay mm-hmm. in it longer than, mm-hmm. you know, cause I would try drinking more water. I would try adding more vegetables. I would try exercise. I would make friend play dates to um, force me out of the house. I would schedule dates to force me to a restaurant. You know, I, I knew I wasn't being depressed, but like none of those things were working. So it's just like, well, mm-hmm. then why bother? And so I voiced things to my husband, but I don't think I, and that he was really the only person I voiced it to. Um, because again, I was in a new place, so I didn't have friends. I didn't have that community. We were still struggling to find a church. Um, I thought being back in my hometown, like, Oh, look at all my other friends that are here, but they obviously have their own families and their own hometowns. And, you know, like they're, they're back, they're living their own life. Um, so so I didn't have like that established friendship church community that I could rely on Mm -hmm. to talk to. And so I think I told my husband, but I don't actually think I said the words depression. I think I more probably phrased it. Like I did a terrible job as a mom today and he would be like, I'm sure you didn't. (laughs) And I'm like, yes, I did. And I think that was like the extent of me Mm -hmm. saying something about it. I know I didn't really say, I think my husband was the only one that really knew too. I tried to make it seem like everything was perfect on the outside because, you know, when you adopt, like, everybody's like, oh, congratulations. And, 
you know, like it's, uh-huh. you have all of this attention on you and I didn't uh-huh. want to feel like a failure. And like you said, we signed uh-huh. up for this and, um, uh-huh. not that I think we're perfect or anything, but I didn't want to let on that anything was wrong. Um, because it is such a big right, monumental right. thing. And so, right. Yeah. Just lots of feelings. With that. Um, <laughs> so after you realized you were suffering from some sort of depression, what were your next steps? So, um, a month or two before my daughter ever said anything, I had also been doing mm-hmm. podcasts, you know, and one of my guests had talked about, uh, I don't actually know what she was talking about as far as her theme conversation, but she mentioned, um, that when she had her baby, her biological baby, that she recognized the signs of postpartum depression. Again, it wasn't her first time. And she immediately went on antidepressants. And after a year, she like got off and was okay. And she just talked about it so cavalierly. Um, and I was like, okay, cool. And so that story though, resonated with me, um, when I realized, oh wait, I'm depressed. Mm -hmm. This is what that looks like. And so I just went straight for the drugs. I mean, at that point I had been trying everything. So I went, I made an appointment with my doctor. In fact, I don't even think I had a doctor at the time. So I think that that also Mm -hmm. made me just go ahead and get one. And I went to go see her and I told her I was depressed and she made me fill out a form to make sure I wasn't suicidal, um, which I was not. And she wanted me to see counseling before she would give me antidepressants. So I found a counselor. I went to him a few times. I didn't like, I, I might should have stuck with it. I'm not really sure he was okay. Um, I literally got the one I could afford. So I'm sure that makes a difference. Um, and I went, I stuck with him for about six weeks until that follow-up appointment. And I knew I was no better. I knew I was going to like pass that test, which meant I would fail it enough to, um, get the drugs. And she did. She ended up giving me the drugs. I was, I just remember being really excited going into that appointment. And that was the first time in a long time I had felt Mm -hmm. any emotion. Um, and so I, like, I left with the prescription and I came home and like took it. Like I was so excited. And I just took the pill straight away. I like two in the afternoon and it like (laughs) put me in a coma. I I was so tired. (laughs) It took a week for those, that's, that uh-huh. sleepy side effect to wear off but I probably should have waited until someone <laughs> was home with me but um I took it and I don't know it was maybe a month six weeks before I started feeling the effects from it like the mm-hmm. like that it was working and it was great so you mentioned that you talked to a counselor and my doctor when I talked to her when I brought this to her attention I'm the same way. I think this is the first time I had actually even seen her. Um, so she s- suggested counseling and I looked at her uh-huh. and I was like, when, <laughs> like, when do you think I'm going to fit that in? <laughs> um, so, I mean, I guess right. the good thing now with COVID is everything's telehealth. So it might be a little bit more possible yeah. now, yeah. not having to worry so much about <laughs> childcare, but um, yeah, I, yep was I just couldn't fit it in. And so I just did the antidepressants and, and that seemed to help. Um, so how do you maintain your mental health after going through post-adoption depression or post-adoption anxiety? 
Yeah. So I was only on the antidepressants for about a year. Um, mostly because we decided to cross country move again at the end of that year. And I just didn't want to find a new doctor. And so I decided that I just wanted to wean off of the pills before I moved. And um, I felt like, so I, what, I don't know if it's only because I was on it that short time or what, but I felt like what the pills really did was lifted me out of the fog enough that I was able to realize when the depression was mm-hmm. setting in. And I could recognize when like a mood was coming on. And it really was a couple years of exploring what to do when the mood set in to help me get out of it. And to be quite honest, I'm not successful 100% of the time. I think this is just something I'm probably mm-hmm. always going to struggle with. So um, so some of my stuff that I do is preventative. I am a big introvert. And so I make sure I schedule alone time, not like veg out in front of the TV alone time and not let me clean the house by Mm -hmm. myself alone time. Um, But just real alone time. I don't have a lot of hobbies. (laughs) So sometimes it really is just watching a movie, but I just make sure that that's there. Um, I don't like physical touch at all. I just, I don't know. I, I, maybe it's a sensory thing. I just don't like it, but of course all Mm -hmm. my children require it. So that's the other thing. Sometimes it's less about alone time and more about being somewhere where no one would touch me. So I could go to a restaurant with friends. That's fine because no one's going to just sit there and touch me all day long. Um, So some of that is like just preventative. And then other things is uh, when I can feel the mood coming on, I tell my husband, we, I have like a phrase that I use and I just, I text it to him um, he'll bring me like a Coke or, um, I get like a dessert. I know I'm should like eat better. <laughs> Shouldn't we all though? I, mean... I like, I don't know. I... <laughs> <laughs> Let's give ourselves grace. <laughs> it's almost like, yes, but yes. you can treat yourself, you know, kind of. So it's like, I have to stop whatever I'm doing to make whatever it is feel mm-hmm. special. Um, if I'm home with the kids and I feel it coming on, Hey, you all have rest time, which by the way, they're eight, nine, 10, and 11. And we still do rest <laughs> and nap time uh, because I need it. And so like, sometimes it's just like, Hey, you're going to do rest time and you can't come out of your room for an hour or whatever. It's tablet time or book time. And I will cook myself like, like something fancy for lunch and eat it for the TV. You know, it's like, Oh, look, look at myself treating mm-hmm. myself in the middle of the day. Um, sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, I've learned that I actually don't like being home. I like working out of the house. I like going out. I like exploring places. This is all (laughs) new to me. Um, so yeah, it's just kind of exploring who I am and what I like and what actually, um, Mm-hmm. feeds my soul and just because it works for me doesn't mean it'll work for someone else like I really hate cleaning but I actually really like organizing and so if I put a podcast on and I organize my bedroom it's like for a long time I thought I really shouldn't this shouldn't be like my alone time this is not you know a good use of time I could be reading I could be writing I could be you know going out and doing stuff hanging out with friends but actually I really just like doing that and so it's like becoming okay with like my guilty mm-hmm. pleasures yeah, I um anytime I would go out somewhere and spend money, um 
my husband would say, you never spend money on yourself. That's always for the house or like food or whatever. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, but yeah. that makes me feel better <laughs> and it makes our space better and it makes yep. me mentally better. Yep. And, um, I think it's just, it's so important to be intentional about the time that you do make for yourself and just making sure that that's something that fills you yes. up, whether it is cleaning and, you know, if you think better in a clean space or, you know, whatever it may be, yeah. I think just finding what works for you is so important. Um, so yeah. do you have any advice for maintaining your mental health as an adoptive mom? I know we kind of touched on that, but like in general, do you have any tips? Yeah. So I think it's just like allowing yourself to feel what you want to feel. And, and by that, I mean, like if it's involved, if you're grieving for whatever reason, if you're sad, if you're complaining, like allow yourself just to feel that that's fine. Um, I know there's this thing going on about, you know, feelings don't have intellect and they don't feelings shouldn't tell us, uh, what job to take or what life decisions to make, but it's also like feelings mm -hmm. are there for a reason and just allow yourself to feel it. If you need a grief day, a morning day, just mm -hmm. take it, but also don't allow yourself to wallow yes. in it. And what works for all of these Instagrammers and influencers might not work for you. Um, so it's just kind of like, what do you like? You know, like everyone wants to take time off of Instagram. Turns out I don't have a problem with social media. So because I'm, I like watching my dog <laughs> videos. And so like, I don't, here I am trying to take time off of social media because everyone else is doing it and look at their, you know, mindset afterwards. Well, I don't actually, that's not giving me a bad headspace. Um, what I need to do is actually not play like the stupid <laughs> games on my phone. Um, so it's just like, kind of like what works for you. What doesn't, I will say, um, about a year and a half ago, we were getting, we thought we were getting like a mm -hmm. 13 year old girl. And, um, we were, I was visiting her back and forth. She was about an hour from us and we were days away. Um, we were days away from her moving in. Um, and anything, if she didn't move in, there's a whole lot of unrest about it, but that whole month of knowing her, I was really, really depressed. It was like all of that from six years ago with mm -hmm. the original girls had come back at full force. And I thought, Ooh, what is wrong? And everyone said, well, maybe you shouldn't go with the adoption. Maybe you shouldn't go with the adoption. And I felt like that was untrue. Now we didn't go through with it, but that was for other reasons. And the, and I thought, well, if you were all right, the depression would have mm -hmm. left and it didn't. And so I was really ready to get back on the drugs again. I was ready to just go do that. And I last ditch effort went to a naturopath doctor. And I really did learn then about food, how it affects your body, et cetera. So another thing I think I would suggest is if you're someone that's like constantly struggles with depression, like I do just double check that there's not like a physical mm -hmm reason. You know, it's great to take the antidepressants. I do not shy away from them. I will take them again if necessary. Um, they, I think that they saved my life six years ago, but also I wish I had known that I had some like underlying physical conditions that might mm -hmm. also contribute to the depression. And so there's some food groups that I avoid eating and, um, there are some exercises that I do. Well, I walk. <laughs> I kind of force myself to walk. Um, so I do. I do that too. And I will say, the pandemic though, that also, uh, I struggled really hard with that because 
I was just learning that I don't like to stay home all the time. I like to get out. I like to do things. And then I was forced to stay inside the house and I had not yet come up. Like I still am trying to um, identify things I like Mm -hmm. to do if I'm stuck at home. And I don't know. I just, I don't know what they are. So mess, I will say mess is one thing that I also don't like. And so we're hiring for the first (laughs) time ever a house leader. And so like twice a month, my house will be deep clean from top to bottom. And hopefully I can That's maintain so it. Between them. And that I think, will help. yeah, it's like outer order, inner calm. I mm-hmm. think that will help very much so anyways I that's like really rambling and it's a lot to say like I'm not really sure if I can offer specific advice except to just figure out like just be okay with the things you like and be okay with the things you don't like and then when you're in that mood just press into you know the things that you actually like even if it's counterculture Mm -hmm. to what everyone else says and I would like to put a little (laughs) disclaimer that just because you and I did go on antidepressants does not mean that they're for everybody or that we're pushing right. that on everybody that's just what happened for us and right. it worked for us um there might be different paths and, and being on it does it yes but also being on antidepressants doesn't make you a bad um foster yes. Or adoptive mom. Praise, yes praise hands that's exactly yes. the truth <laughs> i will say do you feel though now that you've been on the drugs and i don't know if you're still on them or not but do you feel like like can you disclose it to your uh, caseworkers and stuff. Well, so I have been on them since last fall. Um, and I'm still taking them and I continue to take them even though I feel like I'm on the other side of my post-adoption depression. Uh Um, because they have like, they help with my migraines. And so because my stress level is lower, I get really bad, like aura and they're called hemoplegic migraines. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a mess. So, but they help with them. Yeah, so, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but it helps with that. And they do know about that over the summer. And I mentioned that I was on them because they had to do like a, a health form. Yeah. For the medical form. Just to sign off on. And yeah. I was worried that might come back on there and I didn't want there to be like any questions. And so I just went ahead and told them up front and just said, you know, like I'm on it for anxiety and depression, but, um, it really does help maintain my migraine. So that's why I'm continuing to take it. Um, and they were fine with that. I think when you hide it or intentionally don't disclose it, that's when you run into issues. I think more and more agencies are understanding that, you know, we're real people and we have real issues and, you know, just because we're doing this yeah. doesn't mean like we're these superhumans that never have health issues. So yep. I told mine, um, I can't speak for everybody's, but for me personally, I think it's better just to be upfront about it and just, you know, so they know yeah. that you're taking care That's of yourself. So. Yeah. I didn't disclose it. And I, but I mean, I moved states and it was a few years in between. And so it was one of those things like, do I prep mm-hmm. it? Do I not? And I just, I know there's a stigma. And I was like, I just don't know if I want to be asked and mm-hmm. poked and prodded about this. So I never wrote it down. I think if I did currently go on them and I was like, you're in your position, I was being relicensed. Mm-hmm. I definitely would say something. Um, but still to this day, like I just, it, well, again, it's, I think it was just, maybe it's that um, leftover trauma of being told 
you shouldn't right. complain about this and you should and I just feel like what like what CPSW is going to um look at me and say well though you wanted to foster adopt and mm-hmm. now you're saying you can't handle it and I know like that's probably not true but it's not something I've oh over I still yet, I think about think. that all the time and I um I think I mentioned this um in one episode, I can't remember which one, but we had our relicensing and they asked me about grief counseling that had gone to 10 years ago. Um, when my grandfather, passed oh my away, I was trying to be proactive and I went to counseling for it and they brought it up. <laughs> They're like, is this, you know, I see this was on there. Is that still correct? I'm like, yeah, it was 10 years ago. <laughs> it's not like, you know, and, you know, explain the situation and stuff. I think it's crazy, but you know, they keep records of that stuff. And I know in some situations it's needed. Um, but I would just say, if you do say something, just know that it's probably going to be on there forever and know that it'll come back around and you'll have to talk about it again. So, (laughs) but that is, you know, what it is. So, um, I have a bonus question I just thought of and, I'm going to throw this out. (laughs) And um, so we talked about how our training classes do not talk about post-adoption depression or anxiety, like at all. So I don't know about you. And this kind of isn't really a question, I guess, now that I think about it. It's more of just like a conversation (laughs) starter. Um, I also went through like physical changes when we adopted and I know like our chemical makeup as mothers, if we, even if we Uh adopt a child, those, that changes, but you Uh know, like even, um, like, well, it might've just been stress. Honestly, it might not have even (laughs) been, you know, because of this, but I mean, I, are you talking about the woman? Yeah. I was like, you know, my, my (laughs) pre-adoptive pants don't really fit anymore. And so I mean, have you gone through that at all, or am I just stress eating too much? <laughs> oh my god! Okay, yes. it was like it was like I won't lie, it was a slow <laughs> incline since marriage, and then I had kids, and I've only read those books or seen those movies where I don't have to exercise. I'm chasing huh. after kids every day. But you know what? When you exercise that much, you have to reward <laughs> yourself with McDonald's chocolate. Or exactly. <laughs> But yes, it was like I went through an entire pant size in like eight months. It was it was a little ridiculous. I've since <laughs> evened out. Um, but uh, yes, that and other hormonal changes. Like I was a stone cold fox. That probably sounds like I look good, but I mean, had no emotions. Like I didn't mm-hmm. cry. It took a lot. I just didn't. And then I had children and I had Same. to about everything. Same. My um, son actually jokes about that. He's like, I bet I can make mommy cry. Because I just, I cry at like a drop of a hat. <laughs> and it's almost a joke now to them to see who yes. can get me to cry first. <laughs> so, yeah. but that's, I mean, I completely, <laughs> I mean, get that. And I'm the same way with <laughs> pant sizes and I don't know. I mean, so many women talk about, you know, motherhood changing their bodies when they give birth, but you know, adoption and foster care can change you too. So I do remember I was at Thanksgiving with my family, uh, right after we had got the girls and moved there. So we had had them Mm -hmm. five months and 
uh, it had been a long time since I'd been back, but of course I had even gained weight in that five months. And they were talking about my cousin had just had a baby or something. And so she was talking to my aunt and my mom was there all about um, the changes of your body and yeah, you know, like this. And then they kind of looked at me like a little awkwardly because I'm like one of the mm-hmm. four women in this conversation and clearly have not birthed a child. And I just kind of patted my stomach. I'm like, oh man, let me tell you what birthing <laughs> a four-year-old does to you. And they were laughing and I was like, well, really, let yeah, me tell you. <laughs> I'm telling you. And, you know, I say the same thing. Um, the twin, you know, our virtual twins, they're 16 days apart. And <laughs> I call them the twins so candidly because they're, uh-huh. I mean, basically they're, they look exactly like, even yeah. though they're not biologically related. And I say, <laughs> oh, it was just a really hard labor. And if people don't know me, they're like, what did you just say? <laughs> and I mean, I just, I joke about it because what else can you say? I, it, I don't right. know. You got to make light of it, but yeah. it's a real thing. <laughs> it's a real thing. Yep. Well, it is time for Roses and Thorns. So if you are tuning in today for the first time, Roses and Thorns is a time to discuss a high and low from the week. I like to start with the thorn so we end on a good note. So Caitlin, what is your thorn for this week? So my thorn is twofold. It's allergy weather, Mm -hmm. but also mask wearing. Now, I'm not going to try and get political on my (laughs) mask wearing stance. Okay. But what I'm trying to say is what happens? Like, I'm actually asking what happens when you have allergies and you have to wear a mask a train when you're in like the store? I, I mean, right. So I'm, not, I'm unsure about the etiquette. <laughs> so do I just let my nose drip because the fabric will just soak it up? Do I use the mask to wipe my nose as like, I'm, oh, like I have a, an itch. Let me just get that real mm-hmm. quick. When I sneeze, do I take the mask off? Do I leave the mask on? I know it's illegal to sneeze in a store it now. It really is. Um, <laughs> right. But so like, it's, it's like, really, what do I do? And then I have to breathe through my mouth, which makes my entire face sweat. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm, un- so that's my thorn is I had to do a lot of things this week using a mask. And I thought I was going to die because <laughs> I, I, can't, I don't know what to do with it. I just... Mm-hmm. I'm just very unsure and I'm not even going to wash the mask. That one will probably just get thrown away or maybe used for the next time I have allergies. But I just, if someone could just tell me what, like, cause I guess I'm not allowed to poke a hole, like two nostril holes. <laughs> like a it. vampire. <laughs> no, yeah. not like a vampire. But what I just, am I thinking of? I'm thinking of, yeah. Like no, the like, teeth from a vampire. There you go. <laughs> yeah. No, but only on my yes. nostril area. And so I'm just very confused because I know a lot of people wear masks right now. They are like rejoicing in the mask wearing because it's helping their allergies. But I don't know. I just, that's my thorn is just A, the fact that I have to do this feeling the way that I do and B, not knowing what to do mm-hmm. with it. And God bless you. You're teaching right now with masks, yes. right? Like, what are your kids doing? Should I learn from them um, or are they not have good habits? So first graders are probably not the best ones to look to for an example of this because <laughs> I witnessed one of my students this week sneeze not once but twice wearing his mask <laughs> and just left it on. And so that's how you do it. I then. guess so. Okay. Um, <laughs> I will tell you, like having 18 first graders that I'm trying to keep healthy and socially distance is probably 
equal to about a week's worth of exercise. So oh, I'm go. getting my steps in and <laughs> I'm policing, you know, <laughs> social distancing in my classroom. So I just, um, if I find out, I will let you know, but I feel, I heard okay. this week that sneezing right now in public is like the equivalent of pooping your pants in public. And so I, I I'm just a little leery. I, I really don't know the answer. <laughs> I don't know the way to navigate that one. So yeah, my youngest daughter got something stuck in her throat while we were clothes shopping and she was coughing oh and she kept coughing. And I was like, you can't cough or they're going to take it out. <laughs> she wasn't taking off her mask. She was just coughing. And she wasn't covering it oh, up gosh. either. She's like, what? I'm already. <laughs> and so I'm like, is this what you do with it? I don't know. This is my first run in with it this week. So I'll have to keep brainstorming. Yeah, I'll keep you posted. <laughs> if I find out, I'll post it to the Instagram. My daughter started coughing this week too. I think it's allergies. And I looked at her and I said, no, uh-huh. we're not doing that right now. <laughs> like move along. <laughs> so um, my thorn for this week, it's going to sound really silly, but it's a pair of shoes that I have. So I got them over the summer specifically for school, and I'm obsessed with them. Oh. They're these beautiful universal thread for Target, like, cutout shoes. And yeah. I wore them Sunday, and I was fine in them. And then I wore them sure. Monday, and before 8 a.m., I had the nastiest <laughs> blisters. <laughs> oh, and man. so I've had to wear my fake Birkenstocks all week because there's no back on them, and it's too painful to wear anything else. So... Yeah. Um, having to, you know, plan my teacher outfits around my fake Birkenstocks <laughs> has been another layer on this week besides sneezing and masks. So, um, that's my thorn. So do you have a rose for this week? Yeah. I've, I've been there with shoes though. <laughs> I had a pair of really cute shoes and they gave me a blister and I had to wear it the rest of the day. Oh, and I was miserable. Yes. So I, I kept switching out my band-aids. Okay. And I'm like, all right, kids, it's band-aid time. And so I'd sit down. And they just they thought it was hilarious. But I was like, this is actually really painful. And we had a fire drill that day. So it oh, was just, great. <laughs> it was great. So anyway, um, your rose. <laughs> my rose. Um, I actually have, like, a lot of really nice things happened. Um like on the serious side, we got to visit the middle school. And he'll go to middle school. We're going to be middle school parents now. Wow. Um, and with COVID, I, really <laughs> yeah, I, know. I didn't think we'd get to do that because of COVID. Mm-hmm. So like that was really nice. Um, we did, we went shopping at the outlets. Um, the outlets reopening after a pandemic when no one has been able to shop them. Perfect time to go. Um so that was really nice. I think, though, the highlight of my week. So Fridays, I get the night to myself. This is actually a preventative measure for depression. Um, so it doesn't matter what happens in the week. I always know Friday at 530, I'm off the clock and can do whatever the heck I want to awesome. do. And so <laughs> I went to Goodwill to dump a bunch of stuff. Um, and then they have a really good book selection. So I bought some books. And then I was like, I'm going to eat me some ice cream in the parking lot while I read a book. And so I got a Dairy Queen Blizzard. That was the first time I'd had a Dairy Queen Blizzard in probably like five or six years. Wow, It's been a really long time. I know. Maybe not quite that long. It's been years though, two or three years at least, because we just don't have them up here in this area. Oh, okay. And then then that Dairy Queen closed like before we could even go to it and it reopened. So I got an Oreo cheesecake blizzard 
and it was that sounds heavenly just as delicious as I always remembered <laughs> I remember last time though the rose was a Wendy's Coke and I think everyone should know that my fast food intake increases in the summer because ice cream and cold coke like I'm not like this every week <laughs> you're fine that wouldn't play my rolling pants on but it's <laughs> this is a judgment free yes, zone Caitlin it's safe here um <laughs> and I think I said that last week like I feel like my roses are always food or book related so I mean, I'm right there with you. I'm, I like what I like. Yeah. yeah. Um, so my rose is that my husband has taken over dinners and the housework lately since I'm back at work. Ooh. And it has been so nice. I came home today. Life yes. Home. And dinner was finished and laundry had already been done. Oh. And I'm a textbook control freak and I have a really hard time delegating. <laughs> I would just rather like do it myself and it's just been really uh-huh. nice to have one less thing on my to-do list and just free up that mental space. And honestly, he kind of does a better job than I do at these things. So <laughs> shout out to my husband who listens to every single episode. Yeah. So amazing. <laughs> yes. What a good husband to have. Yes. Oh, I've been bragging on him all week. So I'm hoping that <laughs> that builds him up. So um, Caitlin, yeah. please share where the listeners can find you online. I am on Instagram. My personal account is Life with the Frosts. Um, I am private because of bullies. Mm-hmm. So if you want to follow, I will follow you for if you have a private account, I have to follow you first to make sure that you're an actual mm-hmm. person. But please come follow me. You're welcome to follow me. Uh, and then my public account, uh, where I talk only about books is Caitlin reads a book. So you can find me on there as well. Okay. And side note, Caitlin has the best book reviews. I know I said this last time. I'm okay. sorry, I'm a broken record. But if you'd like to read, you need to go follow that account because I get so many recommendations you. from you. So I appreciate that. <laughs> I love reading. <laughs> so do I. Do you know how many books you've read this year? Do you track them? You know, this is the first year. So we tra- I track them. We have a family. Tr- we, tr- we track them as a family. Mm-hmm. And every time you read a book, you get a... Um, a check mark. We have the, the Great Frost read off. Oh, that's so cool. And it just encourages, yeah, it just encourages the girls mm-hmm. to read. Um, and there's no, it's no competition. You're really supposed to beat how many books you read the last year. Um, and last year we all lost to my seven year old who read 33 wow. books. Um, and then at the end of the year, like January, we go to Barnes and Noble and we all pick a book. Like, like that's our reward for reading. So this is though the first year I've actually tracked it. And I think I'm at 34. So I'm already beaten the last two years, but I don't know. Uh, And I'm tracking them. Like I'm tracking what books that Mm -hmm. I'm reading. The pandemic helped with my book consumption, but yeah, it did for mine too. I am, I think I'm on 32 for this year. I started tracking mine too, because the library apparently cannot pull your checkout records. I asked at the end of last year, (laughs) because I just got back into reading last year. And they're like, no, we don't do that. Uh And so I was like, okay, January (laughs) one, I I just have been tracking. And so, um, of course, I'm sure that's going to go down significantly now that I'm back at work, but the pandemic really did help with that. So, um, yeah. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today and, um, we will talk to you soon. I hope to have you back this season again. I know we are going to talk about, uh, the annoying things people say, which I think will be a very hilarious episode. So, (laughs) um, 
<laughs> hopefully we can get that on the books for season one because I think it'll be really fun. So yeah, thank you for having me. I love it. Uh, so do I. <laughs> so all right. Well, I will talk to you later. Thank you. So that's going to wrap up this episode of the Millennial Foster Mom Podcast. The Millennial Foster Mom Podcast can be found on almost any podcast listening app. If you listen through Apple Podcasts, I would so appreciate it if you would leave a positive review. I'm up to eight reviews so far. With more reviews and downloads, the podcast will show up in more searches and can reach more foster and adoptive moms. If you could please leave a review or a rating, I would so appreciate it. And a huge thank you to everyone who has already taken the time to leave a rating and a review. The Millennial Foster Mom Podcast is created using an app called Anchor. I hope this episode helped you to learn a little bit more about post-adoption depression and anxiety. Or if you are currently walking through this, please know you are not alone. If you would like to add to anything we've mentioned today, reach out and I'll share it with the listeners. If you would like to connect, you can find me on the Millennial Foster Mom Podcast Instagram page, or you can email me at the Millennial Foster Mom Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. And remember, motherhood is hard no matter how you get there. But together, we've got this, mamas. Talk to you next week.